0: killed Dietrichson. Me, Walter Neff, insurance agent, 35 years old, unmarried, no visible scars. Until a while ago, that is. Yeah, I killed him. Killed him for money and for a woman. It all began last May. I was thinking about that dame upstairs and the way she had looked at me. And I wanted to see her again, close, without that silly staircase between us. How could I have known that murder can sometimes smell like honeysuckle?
1: I can't stand it anymore. What if they do hang me?
0: They're not going to hang you, baby.
2: It's better than going on this way.
0: They're not going to hang you. Because you're going to do it, and I'm going to help you. Yes, from the moment they met, it was murder. Always behind them with his devilish hunches and his brilliant brain was Keyes. The murder's never perfect. Always comes apart sooner or later. And where two people are concerned, it's usually sooner. Could they get away from him and his relentless pursuit? And could they get away with murder? You don't know Keyes. Once he gets his teeth into something, he never lets go. He'll investigate you, he'll have you shadowed. he'll watch you every minute from now on. You afraid, baby? Yes, I'm afraid. But not of Keys. I'm afraid of us. I'd like to move in on her right now, tonight. If it wasn't for Norton and his striped pants ideas about company policy, I'd have the cops after her so quick it'd make a head spin. Now, we know the Dietrichson name is in it and uh, somebody else. Well, they haven't got a single thing to go on, Keys. He'll show. He's got to show. Sometimes, somewhere, they've got to meet. <laughs>
1: yeah so um that they kind of cut through the uh like they had a bunch of different really good lines in that trailer like some of the best lines yeah so So, um does someone have a second like they had a bunch of lines in that trailer like some of the best lines yeah there's a there's an echo somewhere i don't know who's who's side that's on but um um yeah. So they cut through like a lot of the best lines They like cut right from the uh they didn't have the I didn't get the money and I didn't get the woman. Yeah, the woman they cut that yeah. one out and they just cut straight to the like sometimes murder can smell like honeysuckle, which are two lines that like they they cut through in the trailer that, that don't um <laughs> go together at all. Do you guys? Still yeah, no, I mean, it's like
3: to drop some of the the best lines is kind of a drag. You know, it's like th- those yeah. are those are classic lines. You know, they did get in at least four babies, which is good because, you know, you got to make sure to. <laughs> this this has got to be like, like, you could never do a drinking game for every time Fred McBurray says baby in this movie because
1: you wouldn't make it through the movie, basically. Yeah. No, he calls her baby in every single. Says, Nobody puts baby in the corner, you know?
4: No, I felt the same way when I went to New Orleans uh, a few years ago. Like everybody calls everybody else baby. And I just I never thought a large black man would call me baby unless I went to prison. <laughs>
3: Uh, yes eileen please uh (laughs) okay
2: um yeah well but it's doing that it's the reason it's such a mess of a of a hacked up you know they're trying for that speedy cheap look that was actually kind of an exciting preview style so all the kind of cuts and wipes and rapid. so yeah they don't care if you hear the whole line i think that's the style (laughs) and it's kind of nice for the tawdriness of the film as a whole which it really embraces a kind of california sleaze which i think you can't admire too much
4: which i think star wars kind of you know like borrowed some of that aesthetic with those uh uh, with those wipes and Uh everything you know So, so you know it's it's you know, kind of nice to see uh, uh, in its in its natural habitat. Mm-hmm.
2: Right. Yes. Absolutely. It's it's yeah. It's, yeah. I hadn't thought of that, but that's a good comparison. Yeah. I was
1: gonna say. I was gonna say later on in um, uh, Sunset Boulevard. I think mm-hmm. Billy Wilder really yeah. leans into that California sleaze. Anyway, it really I should hurt. introduce that this is yeah. Movie Night Extravaganza. Uh, we are talking about Double Indemnity. Um, this is the first of our chronological series on uh, noir films. Movie Noir Extravaganza. Our special. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, May season, I guess, um, we have a bunch of them coming up. And uh, this is the first one that we're doing in chronological order. I think it makes sense that this is the first one. I, I, I pushed for this to be the first one, because mm-hmm. um, I think it occupies a pretty special place in the chronology. Um, Absolutely. But uh, I'll introduce the panel right now. J. Andrew World, illustrator, artist, uh, you know, guy who has Um, a a neighbor making noise upstairs (laughs) breaking news
4: (laughs) (laughs) not for long because I'm moving because of the noise.
3: Uh,
1: don't answer answer it (laughs) (laughs) because there was a murder that took place uh, upstairs. The murder (laughs) was downstairs, but wait. Um, actually. All right. We have Conan Neutron, Protonic Reversal, and Conan Neutron, the secret <laughs> friend. Um, you know, I, I want to have you do a ba- uh, Bandcamp shout out right now um, and prom- <laughs> I'd plug your album because we're going to be, you know, we're going to be going and and now people have a chance to actually go grab it. And, uh, you know, later on tonight, right. Bandcamp Friday will be done.
3: Bandcamp Friday, the holiest. Of holy days <laughs> uh the day where everybody re- is reminded that musicians are broke and maybe they should give them some money mm-hmm. uh of course dangerous nomenclature the newest by kona neutron the secret friends neutronfriends.bandcamp.com it has been out digitally for a little bit but mm-hmm. uh we put the vinyl pre-order up which is what people like to buy and mm. who am i to question commerce uh so <laughs> if, if you want to give me money uh, as, <laughs> as well as the other fine folks involved the split with the erratic retaliator strategy because when you have that many words and that many band names, you really have to call it dangerous nomenclature. But of course, no, the real conceit of it is that mm-hmm. we, uh, we two very different bands wrote songs to the same song titles, and it's kind of it's a pretty cool release, mm-hmm. and it's um, it's a limited edition, uh, and yeah, went up today for Bandcamp Friday, and please buy it. Thank you, please. Well, and- if this show
1: stands for one thing, it's pro commerce, <laughs> you know. <laughs>
3: And I, exactly. Everyone, everyone, people is talking about more and more. It's really a paragon of capitalism. that, extra- <laughs> that I do also want to mention, cause I didn't mention when we were hosting this is revolution, but I mentioned on the after party that you can still sign the petition for neutron at night for me to get the uh, James Corden slot because he is retired. Gosh. So uh, that does that is a copy still available sort of ask as well. Um, mm-hmm. So so exactly like dare to dream, folks. Like dare mm. to dream, you can you can do I, better. I, you I'd rather be. have
1: that be our plan A because the plan B obviously is throwing James Corden off a train.
3: <laughs> I... <laughs> we already did car crash karaoke in the after party for so <laughs> <laughs> we want to repeat ourselves. A thousand
1: ways to kill James Corden. <laughs> uh, anyway, to put
3: to put it back on track, I'm very excited to talk about this. I for, mm. I like the fact that it we ended up doing it sequentially, and I think it's really cool that we're that we're starting with this one, not, mm-hmm. not counting in China count as actual canon because we technically Mm -hmm. started with that one but for
1: the show proper (laughs)
3: and i'm very excited to have eileen back welcome back i'm excited to be
1: back eileen jones film critic at jacobin magazine Mm -hmm. my old uh you know place of employment um (laughs) for a while um and author of film suck usa and uh Mm -hmm. co-host of a podcast also called film suck
2: yes thank you for getting all that in that's all very important and i'm thrilled to be talking about this movie because i used to teach this movie i teach a class on film noir at berkeley and this is such a definitive noir that you always started with this one because you know people are like what's film noir and you just throw it up there and then you can just go to town because it has almost every leading characteristic
3: so fabulous barbara Stanwyck's ankle bracelet
4: (laughs) i was not prepared for so much ankle thirst
3: there was a lot the ankle is like the
2: leg in the 40s the leg was like this weird erotic the center that uh it's never reclaimed i don't think yeah
1: i he he kind of mentioned it so many times though the anklet that it becomes yeah. kind of like almost pathological yeah he's like he's like i remember that i still the way remember it's that cutting into her
2: ankle come on it's cutting in come on and meanwhile, it's shiny
3: quentin. meanwhile quentin, quentin is like move down move down <laughs>
1: you really right, I want to see I, I want to see what shoes she's wearing. I want to see uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> but she's completely to...
2: shiny and tawdry, so she, that's why she's got that crazy, that crazy distracting white blonde wig on. That apparently some yeah. people didn't understand and were like, "Why does she have that? That's just a bad hairdo." And he's like, "It's supposed." Billy Wilder was like, "It's supposed hmm. to be. It's supposed to be sleazy and tawdry and bad. She has terrible taste." Yeah, I don't think people always get how low the world is supposed to be in this film. Maybe because it's old and people look like they're dressed nicely. And maybe that doesn't play as well
3: anymore as
2: it would have then.
3: Yeah, I, a, a lot of people, yeah, you're right. A lot of people really bagged on on the wig. And yeah, I think somebody wing. said, like, she looked like George Washington. That's right.
0: She not look like George Washington. But at you, all.
3: you get Barbara
2: Stanwyck
1: <laughs> Stan- and then you turn her into yeah. George Washington. Something like that. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wander into the White House. You're like, why is there a big picture of Barbara Stanwyck? <laughs> Stan- uh, Stan- on <laughs> the wall. What the
4: hell?
2: <laughs> And yeah, was she. she- and <laughs> she just gives, I mean, and, you know, she's a brilliant actress. She's given, she gives a million great performances but this is I don't think there's any argument this is such a career high she just goes way way out there on a limb she's still terrifying I think
4: I, I love the fact that she didn't want to do this movie and Billy Wilder's like, um, yeah. you know, I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 He's, he's, he like yeah.
1: yeah. of negged both of them into doing the movie. He was yes, like- like, yes. I thought you were an actress. <laughs>
2: <I think laughs> Are you an actress or a mouse is the line. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: I know. And, and Fred McMurray is the story because only Billy Wilder could get these great performances out of him. And, and of course, Fred McMurray's great line is, but you need a real actor for this part. And he knew right. he, <laughs> in, in, in his <laughs> view of himself he was not a real (laughs) actor he was a pleasant amiable jockish leading man in light romantic comedies so you can imagine how shocked to be offered this really meaty part and he's so good he's so good at playing like a hollow man you know he's wonderful at that kind of and
1: and the the sleaze i mean i'm happy you brought that up in in the first couple you know seconds of describing this because (laughs) i think it's interesting that i mean the film noir kind of that comes before this like the (laughs) pre-war period right like maltese falcon (laughs) the movie that i talked about all the time apparently (laughs) but like Maltese Falcon like um just really like the the private detective era of noir right like that Mm -hmm. kind of um right from pulp novels into like uh you know like the seediest pulp novels but this takes it way farther down I feel like and you're in an even uh you know more seedy world because they're not like they're not law enforcement in any way shape or form they're literally just no. the people that like um take their jobs as insurance claim people like <laughs> really really seriously right, right, right. so it's like so they, they kind of find the the same kind of private private investigator cop kind of thing but they're like why don't we take this down to a point where it's literally just some guy being like can we give you the money for this insurance claim or shouldn't we and trying to sell you insurance and i feel like that's yeah. kind of a it's put into like such a weird box in the bottom like nobody wants your insurance nobody Uh wants to go door to door to their house and like sell them insurance. Like they're like, Uh and you know, all of these, like, like the guy, um, uh, Mr. Diedrichson, the, the, you know, older, uh, husband is, you know, he's like, he's like, well, next year he tries to sell me fire insurance and earthquake insurance and like (laughs) all these different insurance, uh, plans Uh that he's like, I don't like, you're just fucking scamming me. Like, I know that. So it's kind of funny to have them be kind of the most disrespected, of the uh possible, I guess, investigative profession. Uh,
2: yeah, and I think this film really makes I mean it's it starts with James M. Kane. He does Postman Always Ring Twice and Double Indemnity within a couple of years of each other in the early mid-30s. Mm-hmm. And he makes the insur- you know, the insurance scams central to film noir. So th- this goes on as a strand. If you watch DOA, if you watch pitfall, if you want there's a whole there's insurance goes on as a thing in film noir. I think it's partly because it's such a a perverse system you're gambling (laughs) again you know about your your death your loss of limbs your your fire your all your human calamities you're you're kind of laying down money against what and you can make money off the loss of some sort of life so i think that's part of it why it fits in so perfectly in the film noir world and it's amazing he got two that he got two good books out of one murder case, the Ruth Snyder right. murder case, where <laughs> a woman and her boyfriend tried to kill the old the the, the husband for uh, the for a, an insurance claim. The kind of Dublin it's Dublin Good value, of really very good value to get two best sellers out of one
3: (laughs) (laughs) one trial one notorious trial yeah uh i Um, I think i mentioned it last time uh when we did nightmare alley but i think in a lonely place is also one to bring up because again not a Mm -hmm. cop not an investigator he's a a screenwriter professional (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) and i think that that's I, i think some of my favorite noirs are ones that like go around that trope cuz i've seen so many of them and have like you know the the Seamus you know the the, mm-hmm. the the detective and i love those as well but i also love it when it's like oh yeah like billy wilder's like no we're not doing that here right like that's it's, great it, it takes you away
2: from structures of authority even though the right. de- private detective usually is is sort of outside mainstream authority too but still, you've still got a connection to these systems. But when it's just some guy, <laughs> some, some hapless guy like poor, poor Walter Neff, even the name Neff, geez. Um, it just makes him, he thinks he's such, he thinks he's smart. He thinks he's a lady killer. He thinks he's all these things. And he thinks and, he's
1: suave as hell. Like, and suave like as he's suave as hell? He's kind of spitting out Absolutely these things. Absolutely not. And <laughs> they're kind of discordant. Like when he's like, I was smelling like honeysuckle. Who knew that murder could sometimes smell like honeysuckle? cycle which you know coming out of like a noir mouth you're like you're like you know that kind of sounds cool but then you think about it you're like it's a fucking weird thing to say into your your (laughs) dictaphone which by the way i was trying to explain what this um what the machine was i made sure to like write that because i was trying to explain when we did uh our last after party right i was trying to explain the dictaphone and then i was like i couldn't think of the word and someone he was doing so very
3: (laughs) poorly i might add (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs)
2: <laughs> I know, and it was such- And a we delightful. were giving him
1: no assistance whatsoever.
2: <laughs> I bet, I bet.
3: James well, now Van I know Kane. that it
1: was invented by Alexander Graham Bell, oh, and God. Dictaphone was the now actual you know brand of-
3: <laughs> and, Coming and, back and, with a fact ate attack. Away, that ate
1: away all of my <laughs> memories of Chinatown. I don't remember anything about Chinatown. I just remember the thing about the Dictaphone. The Dictaphone, yeah.
2: And James <laughs> a... M. Cam- Cam Kane loved it and said it was such a great idea, he wished he'd thought of it. And nobody- And James M. Kane never praised- Anyone who adapted his novels, I think it was <laughs> only Billy Wilder who gets like the credit. Well, if you, so if you ever was, look at Double in. Indemnity, it's the craziest novel. It has an ending that will just blow your mind. It's way more occult and lurid and insane. It's really off the chain. They literally throw themselves off a ship into shark-infested waters together. Mm. <laughs> That's the end. <laughs> like, you so. yeah. like you do. Like you do. Yeah, so you know, they really kind of calmed it down and made it a little more of a sense-making system. But they held on to a real portrait of just a world so tawdry and you'll see critics still trying to debate like well, wait why does he really do this i mean you know by standards of today anyway it doesn't seem that sexy it's kind of sexy you have to assume it's the sex like you always have to do in film right. noir. The but there's a kind of cold weird is that really what's motivating him and, and people really debate like this. There's a Roger Ebert critic, I forget who it is, who goes on and on about like, you know, this movie really doesn't make any sense. I think it does if you look at how crappy the world is. Like all of a sudden yeah. he's like, you know what? This is finally interesting. <laughs> you know? I can okay. think of a brilliant crime, a perfect crime plan. And then here's a hot babe. And it's, even though he was doing well, you know, as a salesman, it's such a nothing world. That's why there's all those weird little squat characters, all those short little characters. Have you noticed? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. the elevator dude and the woman in the supermarket and Nettie the housemaid, and they're all these irritated,
3: frustrated, weird, mobile people
2: who can't, who kind of are nowhere in life, and they really she needs Fred
3: McMurray's them. help to get the uh, baby to get the thing down. off the shelf. <laughs> the Which woman so who hilarious. says everything
2: I want to <laughs> buy is on shelves. Beyond yeah. my reach could stand for the whole way the world is being portrayed. Yeah, just you, you get a
3: little window nothing. into that world, just like a, a guy who's so proud to be from Medford and wants to talk about from Medford. Medford, he keeps time. repeating it over and over. I'm
1: from Medford. I'm a Medford <laughs> man. I'm, Medford, I'm Medford man. What I say, I mean. Me. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like, like that that character a... they try <laughs> to pick like the most annoying possible person. That you're like, oh my god, I just wanna, I just wanna jump off this train, <laughs> and this guy is, <laughs> will not leave. Yes. But um. There's a line that I'm trying to find. I I write down notes of like Mm -hmm. different lines every time we do something like this. And um, by the way, this is moving to
3: extravaganza, and that's Forrest. He didn't get to introduce himself. So
1: (laughs) I I rarely (laughs) ever do. You rarely do. Um, Yeah. um, No, so, but he says says something about how, um, you know, you, you, oh, here it is. Um, in this business, you can't sleep but figure out all the tricks they could pull on you. Like you're the guy behind the roulette wheel, watching the customer so they don't crook the house. Mm. And one day, you think about how you could crook the house better yourself. Right. And I, I think that that really. Um, and, and I just thought of this this connection. Now, I didn't necessarily put this together mm-hmm. before this, but you know, I, I've always thought it was uh, keys. And that father, like you know, father-son weird relationship they have, and like mm. obviously, like you know, film scholars love to talk about how you know lighting the cigarette for the person yeah. is like a you know a homoerotic gesture. That's the real love like story a, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Love so, story to cigarettes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: They well, love their cigarettes. <laughs> they did love their cigarettes. <laughs> and lighting but, them in a cool way, like that, like yeah. flick of the the. the th- and everybody knows how that. to do it. I'm like, how does everybody know to do this thing? They, they really all smoke like fucking chimney. <laughs> Well, I mean, first, I mean I they just all
4: used it. to make uh matches better than they do now. I because, think so. Like, Apparently, like, now I have a book right. of matches that I have to like use the oven for to like <laughs> get them lit because
2: you would have some... to light them like five times to get one that won't break. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Keys, yeah.
1: keys at one point <laughs> <laughs> says that every time he puts matches in his pocket, they explode, they
2: explode. But yeah, I
1: which I want exploding matches, <laughs> but like some something like, he has to be so like wound up tight, I guess, like right? Like, mm. that's supposed to be that like he lights the matches somehow himself. like his body lights the matches for him when he puts them in the swagget right, 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 but um right. no so i i think it's interesting though he gets completely shit on by keys um uh-huh. and he, he says it like a different line he says i was trying to think with your brain and keys wants to hire him obviously as his assistant and dock mm-hmm. his pay which yeah. dude that's not how you sell it's <laughs> not how you sell it yeah. he's like he's like you're gonna make significantly less money but what yeah. you will have is is time at a desk to is really the saddest. here's all the reasons I why i want you to do this
3: okay i know well, that sounds terrible <laughs> but, it,
1: it, but it kind of feels like he, he calls he's like saying that a salesman is like a glad hander and a backslapper, slapper yeah. and he's really just demeaning the guy's profession and it seems Absolutely. like um you're too good to be a salesman a peddler like he's using all these like you know the worst terms and then he's like mm-hmm. um to me a claims man is well, i'll try to do it in the um no i can't do that yeah, yeah gee, just think of ralph (laughs) Um, Uh wiggum those papers are not just forms of statistics and claims for compensation they're live they're packed with drama Mm -hmm. so you know he's he's cheating on his profession while boosting up the investigative side of it and it Mm -hmm. seems almost like he's like this guy is kind of demeaning me all the time to the point where i'm trying to prove that i could do the perfect crime and he Mm -hmm. isn't gonna be able to figure it out and then obviously he Mm -hmm. panics as soon as he does it but Mm -hmm. there's like this Di- father son dynamic i think that he's like trying to slay the father almost you know what i mean and like it has to come mm-hmm. from the fact that this guy is just like he, when he's sitting on the thing at the end he's like can i can i say something about myself and he's like i'm just really good at this and it's like yeah. maybe there's some there's some part of his brain that's like i want to just like i want to destroy this guy's sense of self like uh-huh. he almost yeah with it too and then he like uh-huh. he has to make sure that he like that keys knows it's him like <laughs>
2: Yeah, and there I, I agree that there's something much seamy, there's something more seamy and complex going on than it than the tip the, the, it's really a very popular reading now that that the true t- you know for people who don't even want to get Freudian, it's it's a just a touching love story between you know the, the moral figure who's keys and the you know the immoral figure. I'm just like you are what movie are you watching? <laughs> is sure, it, Keys is, is that a remake?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's Keys is such
2: a crazy it's dude. triple indemnity. <laughs> he's like totally limited he's so obsessive and paranoid from from yeah. this job he does that's all he really cares about that he's about to get married to a woman and he has her investigated and finds out what what does neff say she's a tramp from a long line of tramps and you just can tell yeah. he he can't yeah, he has, really he has have... all these
1: things that i i wrote these out too he has all these things that he lists off he goes mm-hmm. um and the stuff that came out she was, I, I can't do that. <laughs> she was dying her hair ever since she turned 16. Yeah. It was a oppressive in her family. She already had one yeah. husband. He was a professional pool player in Baltimore yeah. and her brother. And then yeah. he was yeah, I get it. She was a tramp from a long line of uh, tramps." Tramp. But yeah. it's like all small things. There's that like,
2: nothing damning there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he says yeah. things like, I bet she drinks
1: from the bottle. You know? Check, check, check. But I mean, there's almost like a, I don't even want to call it fatherly, like almost motherly, like nothing he does is good enough like yeah you know your, yeah, your yeah, job yeah. isn't good enough like you're not good enough i thought you were smart you know like i you're but just you're tall just you're tall. not smart like <laughs> you're just tall yeah you're
2: just a little taller absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. and it, then well, it, and yeah
1: also he says it about everybody else it's like everybody in this office is stupid i'm smart mm-hmm. I'm smarter than everyone in this office. Everyone right. in this office, you know, doesn't know what they're doing. The boss, the boss in that giant office over there, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's shitty at it. You know what I well, mean? Well, in like-
2: that case, though, he's right.
1: <laughs> he is yeah. right. Is it
2: one of the great fair showing
1: boss scenes?
2: That wonderful <laughs> monologue. You know, Edward G. Robinson just makes a meal of this monologue, the suicide statistics. <laughs> that must have been a bitch to memorize. And he just does a the most brilliant takedown of the whole theory of suicide in the, in the case just because he's memorized actuarial tables it's insane so he <laughs> in other words he practically lives there you, you you assume he actually probably sleeps there that's his whole life so he can't have an ordinary life with anyone else yeah you're right other than this kind of strange maybe sort of father-son thing that he's got going on and it's still somewhat abusive <laughs> with neph that he wants <laughs> neph to be like him um so when you do have the triangle a kind of love triangle if you will when they're posed next to the door she shows up to the apartment while he's in the apartment talking to keys and he has to hold the door open to cover her and they're all he's between the two you know their shots really underscoring. you know he can go one way he can go another but what people don't point out is neither is a good way keys way of life is not a good life that's not a great yeah. life yeah. It's so. it's, the,
1: it's that kind of obsessive uh, professional yeah. way of life that like yeah. but like it's not even a good profession though. So like you know what I mean like cuz you can see someone It's being called like grinding
3: a... for us. You should try it sometime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: He right. was the originator of hustle culture. <laughs>
4: Yeah, it's like
3: the, the neoliberal forefather Keith.
2: Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Who loves the idea that you live at work, you know, because then,
4: you yeah, know. he was the first BMC. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: So yeah, I think that's that's important. I mean, I just don't think people want to fully embrace the crumminess of the vision. And you know, Billy Wilder's gonna take it even further. Not only is Sunset Boulevard a continuation, but Ace in the Hole, which did terrible, absolutely failed at the box office. You want to talk about a vicious film. That's quite rightly vicious. Like everyone almost in that film is absolutely appalling, except the guy who's buried under the mountain and is gonna die. <laughs> He's gonna be sacrificed to, to create a story for a newspaper for a corrupt newspaper man. So he had this vision that I think he he really wanted to pursue to the limit, but Ace in the Hole took him into a territory where he just fails and Billy Wilder didn't usually fail. So I think you know, double is on that same continuum, but for some reason. <laughs> for some reason people don't want to see it in its darkest terms though my godson watched it for the first time and he was like this is such a fucked up movie i can't believe this movie <laughs> he was shocked he was truly shocked
1: and it's a but mean it's a mean movie it's more than yeah. just a fucked up movie it's because yeah. sometimes you see a fucked up movie and it's like you know they're kind of playing with it this is hmm. a, a downright kind of cruel mean um yeah. interpretation of this thing and mm-hmm. i i th- it's fascinating that obviously uh billy wilder's usual writing partner is charles brackett and Mm. charles brackett wanted nothing to do with this he's like Mm -hmm. you know they wanted to make more fun stuff so he had raymond chandler as his co-writer on this and had an incredibly you have to imagine that he's kind of the keys to uh to to (laughs) raymond chandler's nephew. like he's a he's kind of this obsessive guy who lived this life like i was watching a documentary of billy wilder's life and he's just kind of like living alone in this apartment at the end of his life and like mm-hmm. talking through his writing process and stuff i have a video of it actually mm-hmm. but like he always has to be writing with somebody and mm-hmm. uh you know raymond chandler would go into the bathroom i guess and and drink and he was an alcoholic <laughs> like a just what like complete alcoholic and um <laughs> And so they ended up hating each other so much that when this movie was nominated for an Oscar, he did not invite Raymond Chandler to get the uh, best adapted screenplay nomination.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. yeah really (laughs) and then his next movie about raymond chandler like pretty much last weekend weekend,
2: all about an alcohol (laughs) having the dts yeah (laughs) yes i mean the only way that billy wilder had more of a life is he had a very very active sex life and that was one of the things raymond chandler was oddly prudish about he couldn't stand that billy wilder was always on the phone making dates constantly and, and that just drove Raymond Chandler. He just thought that was so offensive. So, you know, it was, it was a kind of like, okay. Wilder was
4: a Chad. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something like
1: that. But he bragged about then having him.
2: been a gigolo back in Germany. No one knows if that's really true.
1: But then if you see him, he like doesn't look, you know what I mean? Like he's a, he's no. a very slight man and like a very uh, kind he's of Big glasses. Nerd, like, yeah, <laughs> very like managerial looking man. <laughs> and then Yeah, he is. Yeah.
4: But, you know, Germans really do like their um <laughs> that's exactly there's a whole
2: kink about
3: that that's exactly kind of that kind of man <laughs> yeah. uh, taking us away from that i, I kind of get the impression that that neff uh sort of i talked about this a little bit when i went on uh, amy and amanda's show uh, these are bad movies and talked about um the uh, uh, inside man the spike mm-hmm. lee movie mm-hmm. and the fact that like i was like who amongst us you know, hasn't sit there and like planned out a bank robbery or something along those lines. Right. Now think about the fact that if you're an insurance investigator and all you see is people trying to like get away with it and things along those lines. Right. So of course, he probably, (laughs) he probably was working it out, like gaming it out in his head for a long time. Cause Mm -hmm. the thing that got me the most is like, it doesn't take much motivation for like, yeah, let's kill him. And, and, oh, what really? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Like, it's sort of like, man, how long have you known this broad? Like a day? Like what? (laughs) Like you're ready to go. All right. right, yeah. So I, I, could like, never, yeah. I could
1: never do something like that. Oh, I thought about it. I'll do it. I'll do it.
3: I'll, I'll, <laughs> exactly. <I'll play> <laughs> <out>. <laughs> yeah,
2: and it's very, in that way, it is very like Double Indemnity. Double Indemnity, the novel, is very shocking in that it really is like, well, she's a cute chick. Nice bod. I guess I'm committing murder now. It just okay. slides <laughs> right in. And again, I think it's just part of this, like, nobody's got a lot of moral structure. Even Keyes has got a kind of professional obsession. But yeah. this is like a world where yeah, it seems like there's nothing stopping a Walter Neff from the slide. And yes, he gets so engaged once he's planning. Once he's planning it, it's got to be perfect. It's got. It's like he wants almost to create his own breakdown. The line. He's finally in, you know, just to, <laughs> to, to getting it exactly right. And it is a very smart plan. But of course, yeah, it's, the it's smart like plans a Columbo movie nowhere. almost. It's like a what?
4: Columbo movie. you Yeah. Know, <laughs> and they show you the perfect crime and then Columbo, you know, just one more thing his yeah. way through the uh, to the end. Um, yes. Solving yes. it.
2: Yeah. If it hadn't been for the little man inside keys who gets hunches,
4: which, that's another which, great thing. Columbo. All of
2: the professional acumen is no- is nothing compared yeah. to this insane instinct he's got. And yeah. that, that's re- that recurs in Touch of Evil. I think it's a tribute sure. basically um with with orson welles's character playing someone who, what is it his bum leg hurts him or something and that's how he knows things um so the same kind of crazy instinctive it isn't even a rational thing that's just how he knows which i like
1: and because well you know uh, know, literally literally how he knows in uh touch of (laughs) mm. evil well (laughs) (laughs) yeah we won't
2: (laughs) yes very true but oh. it's a little bit of that kind of how do we even know things and you know knowing actuarial tables isn't really it it's these it's it you know Fillmore gets into a lot of this fate versus chance stuff you know is it fated to happen is it chance is it like what are the mo- big motivating forces is in this insane dark world and it, of course it never arrives at any kind of answer so you're always being being kind of pulled back and forth but in the direct trying to figure out what's how is how is this crazy world working which i was one of the things i admire most about it it's um it's it takes as a basic thing most of the great noir that it's just an insane world where it's not just corruption that's bad or criminality that's bad or or all sorts of post-war L.A.s whatever you want to say there's something fundamentally wrong and weird in the world in the workings of the world and some of yeah. the good ones get borderline occult with that kind of stuff.
1: And and I think that it's kind of fascinating for the reason that there's the Hayes Code, right? You can't really mm-hmm. criticize right. the government. You can't like it's like you know it's the middle of uh, World War II. like it's mm. 1944 when this comes out. Like you yeah. can't really just be like, hey, like the cops are corrupt government's corrupt you know mm-hmm. america kind of fucking sucks right now like you can't like you can't have those conversations so mm-hmm. taking it out of the uh public sector i guess taking it out of yeah. the government structure and throwing it into this you know this insurance world which um you can investigate but then i mean the, the status i guess you never get the really the satisfaction of like arresting somebody that you know of, of, like, you have to call the cops the end and be like hey can you guys handle this and arrest this person i think there's a murder like, mm-hmm. so taking it out of that sphere though you can completely say hey this is an incredibly corrupt institution because it's a private insurance company Mm -hmm. it's not uh you know it's not a government institution it's not law enforcement which you could still kind of say oh well you know cops are either bad in this world or there's Mm -hmm. some bad like the bad apples thing Uh like you could do things like that but like you know you had to really really walk that tightrope that i don't think billy wilder wanted to walk so kind of taking it and putting it into this um the private sector i guess right makes it incredibly fascinating well
2: and making it really bad people pay their monies expecting to get a big payout but the whole operation of the company is to make sure no one gets a payout yeah and they're very That's incredibly frank
1: about that so there is a, a
2: scam yeah, it's a huge scale, really.
1: Which yeah. is where the uh, the roulette card metaphor comes in, right? Mm-hmm. Where he's like, you know, you're trying to bet against the house. And I bet mm-hmm. I could bet against the house better than or, you know, cheat yeah. the house better than the other people. Because I actually am, you know, I have that extra leg up where I'm literally working um, mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. in the house. I know how that kind of works. So I can kind of um, track my plan based on that. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously you know, not expecting that there's some kind of occult cult level to it where this guy mm-hmm. just has like the killer instinct where you can kind of just go, you know what? I think there's something off here and be like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: What do you think of that? I've been meaning to ask you, one of my favorite parts about the movie is the op- the crazy opening, the credit sequence. Yeah. Where it's just a silhouette of a guy in crutches crutching forward to the screen till he blacks out the screen. And it's really ominous. And there's this great, I don't know how you say his name, Miklos Rosa. I think that's how you say it. The guy who does the score and it really makes his career in a, in a big way in America. Um, but that's all that's happening. So it's this very yeah. long, yeah. crutching yeah. forward what from a, all the way the hell back, all the way up until it's black. And I've always been fascinated by that. That's an, it's, it's the only thing that tops it is another Billy Wilder movie where the whole of Sunset Boulevard is, or no, Ace in the Hole. You're staring at dirt. All The whole credit <laughs> sequence is over, is over <laughs> dirt. <laughs> exactly. So he was very bold about stuff like that. But I love that opening. I think it's brilliant. So, do you want to hear my theory of what it why it's why it's ominous Yes, cool? Of course we do.
3: <laughs> so we want to hear okay. Andy talk about some unrelated topic. Yes,
2: we do. <laughs> well, that could you could just cut in at any time. <laughs> that,
3: that, that comes in for free whether you want it or not. So. <laughs> because
2: in silhouette, it's both Walter Knaff and the guy he's killing, Mr. Dietrich's. It. Okay, so but why is that so creepy and ominous? It's this figure of someone who's impaired on crutches. So that shouldn't be that scary but he's both the, the murderer and the victim combined into two things. Uh, yeah. I like
1: that. Into, into and one, it's also, yeah, two and I, one. I think it's also disorienting, right? Like you can't yeah. really tell what's going on and you see someone and they're like handicapped and, and you they, know, yes. And they're
2: inexorably coming towards you in this horrifying way. But yeah, it's, but this I also think it's, there's something about the pitifulness, the, the limit, the, 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 the smallness, the tottering, the badness, the impaired, that I think is is really haunting and part of what's kind of scary. You feel I feel, always feel uneasy about the image, like it's borderline scary, and you don't even know what it's about yet, you know. And even when you find it out, you're kind of like, why is that? So that's a really creepy ass image. So I like that he really gets that kind of complexity going, even in something as simple as that. That's really trying.
1: And thing. you don't really. I mean, one of the things I find fascinating about this movie is you don't ever mm-hmm. see the murder happen, right? Like you watch yeah. her face. You briefly. watch it. It's all on her face. Yeah. And you hear the noises, like the choking noises very, very briefly. Like he mm. instantly, I don't like, however, he must just instantly <laughs> suffocate him, but you hear yeah. it for like that one second, he, you know, and then yeah. it cuts. And, and it's another
2: censorship thing, of course. I mean, it took him 10 yeah. years to be able to make this damn thing. So censorship, but putting it on her face is so great because then you want to read her face and what is her face saying? I mean, it's an amazing little. But you've almost, you've almost,
1: I think between that part of it, like yeah. rewatching this and it being ominous Yeah. Uh, between that part of it knowing that that happened but not actually ever seeing it kind yeah. of makes the crutches more ominous and also um mm-hmm. the, there's kind of the fact that um uh in the beginning when you first see him he's already dripping with sweat and he's been shot and he's like on his way out he's dying mm-hmm. and uh you know i i think that like going straight from that limping to that to you know after everything like mm-hmm. the end of the movie pretty much first um mm-hmm. which you know the boulevard is another movie that kind of he's dead by the like he's, he's dead. narrating wall you know he's yeah. like speaking from he's the voice of god which, it yeah. shows you
3: the very beginning that's like hey guess how this turns out you know yeah <laughs> not great for this guy which yeah. is
2: so great about film noir that so many of the best of them they just foreclose any possible way out any possible happy ending and they just tell you right up front it it's happened. all about some doomed person doomed or dead or whatever (laughs) contemplating how they got that way. I mean, that is bold. I, can you believe how successful film noir was in its time? It was a thriving (laughs) genre. God, we'd pass out if we had a constant stream of this kind of film coming out. It was fabulous.
1: Yeah. Um, DoA. I don't think this is a particularly good film noir, mm-hmm. but like, it, it's interesting to have it also be like, "Hey, listen, I've yeah. gotten poisoned, and I'm, and poisoned. I'm gonna tell you I'm telling you the story as fast as I can, but yeah. just know <laughs> right. I'm dying. No, I'm story. dying,
2: <laughs> and there's die. no antidote. There's no last minute save. It's like, no, he's really gonna die. Yeah, and he runs around, and he. I like when he staggers up against Life Magazine <laughs> and Rose and Rose and Rose <laughs> is all that kind of hilarious stuff. Yeah, I still am a fan of that, just because again, it's just a bold concept that they just drive home like doomed doom
1: doom doom doom
2: all the time it's almost like uh
1: when hitchcock did uh rope or whatever and he did the mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing where he tried to do the whole movie just with one like right yeah one one shot, shot. Like, and yeah, it's
3: yeah. Yeah. it's very creative <laughs> very. How, how how it was put together too because it really does like your heart pressed to be like was that did he do it? But the point is, if you're not like a film nerd, uh, uh, like looking for those things, you're just right. like, oh, wow, this movie's really interesting. Notice. Yeah. You have All to right. notice every time he dollies in on somebody's
2: back. Basically.
3: Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, yeah.
2: But he's moving around so much. It's not that noticeable. He's always patting. Right. So, yeah, it's very it's like I, constant again, movement that, he, that Hitchcock felt like he was that just that just that good that he could be like, you know <laughs> what? Let's tie my hands behind my back and one foot. Let, how hard can we make this? Let's right. do Lifeboat. Let's do another one where we can't move anywhere. Um, yeah, that's that's really chutzpah, man. <laughs> that's some serious comedy. I mean, you know, the, the closest,
1: I think, in another film noir mm-hmm. that comes to anything. I mean, like, there's the continuous shot that uh, Orson Welles does where he tries to break the record for that eight-minute mm-hmm. shot in Touch of right. Evil yeah
3: and- it's referenced in the player which we talked about uh-huh. right? yeah like, then It's right, like right, homage right. like <laughs> yeah, and talked right. about on the movie while mm-hmm. they are doing
2: it which yeah. i think is pretty <laughs> hilarious for that movie. yeah that's right i haven't seen that in years god i really enjoyed that <laughs> back then but yeah that's did good. they specifically say it was x minutes long and so it's got to be longer than the x minutes thing is that what they mm-hmm. do I'm trying to remember yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah yeah i think it's like eight minutes and 37 seconds yeah. or something. Yeah, and you gotta so. beat it well and got... it
2: starts with an explosion that uh, doesn't it start with an explosion no it goes to the end there's an inter the interracial kiss and then an explosion that's that's, right. immediately. that's, right. that's yeah. just some nice clever come on i you know i would like some more clever i don't know might seem cheap but i'm like we this we've got some boring ass cinema i'm
1: sorry we need we, so we we each had a, a two movies that we were kind of um mm-hmm. fighting like with ourselves wrestling with ourselves about putting in the two that i uh was wrestling over putting into this phone mar uh, month mm-hmm. where um one of them was third man one of them was touch of evil and i mm-hmm. ended up deciding that i was going to go with third man mm-hmm. we did that on tuesday but mm-hmm. um but yeah touch night of evil the hunter before. over
3: here by the way night oh
2: god that, they're all good but yeah night of the hunter yeah, yeah.
4: Drifter.
1: wow <laughs> that's <laughs> one
2: to reckon with and that one's really divisive i thought anyone who saw that movie would love it and be blown away and then i showed it to a class and a lot of people were like
4: he yeah, just Matthew don't like real <laughs> low ratings
1: and
2: I'm just like what's up yeah below? I mean J- there's Charles
4: Lawton being a genius and
2: the only time he directs and it's that's the end of his directing career just really shocking wow yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but,
1: but anyway. yeah so I, I think that like Billy Wilder is a is a similar director to someone mm-hmm. like Orson Welles or Hitchcock in the way that mm-hmm. he kind of um it's kind of a boundary pushing um act right like filmmaking itself needs to be a boundary pushing act like yeah it can't just be um you know he just make something fun i mean you know a lot of his work is other kinds of boundary pushing like some like mm-hmm. it hot obviously is mm-hmm. a pretty pretty controversial for the time but like mm-hmm. i remember seeing that a bunch of times when i was a kid but um yeah like this this film is completely different uh in in the way that it kind of um pushes the boundaries i think of what's acceptable kind of the dark mm-hmm. world that you're allowed to really show mm-hmm. um the, the sexuality of it which i don't think yeah i mean it's kind of it's tawdry but it's also um like it's kind of like it's, it's lame sexuality because i don't think that's really the point of it right like he's just kind of thirsting after uh you know or seeming like he's thirsting after miss mm-hmm. Dedrickson, but like as the film goes on it kind of unravels where it's like now he doesn't really give a fuck about her and she doesn't really give right. a fuck about him mm-hmm. so it's he's kind of this guy <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and, and Miss
2: Yeah, Lola. Yeah, he's an ankle guy. That's right. If she'd wear an anklet, it'd all be different. But yeah, Lola yeah. is the only character who's supposed to be like the sympathetic one. But even with that, they give her this nasty boyfriend. That in the end, they sort of are yeah. trying to say, well, maybe he's better than he looks. Let's give him a chance. But he even looks like a vicious little prick. He really does.
3: um he's, he's so Tony Cali- Soprano would be. Yeah. <laughs> Goddamn, He's yeah. going to
4: use him to murder her too, which is, which is amazing. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yes. He's been, but plotting. like not, but not in a way
1: that is like, oh, let's plan out a murder. Like he, she, he, she's just going to go, Hey, I bet this guy will kill his girlfriend. If I say, Oh, he's, he's like, she's cheating on you. Yeah. Here's where she is. And like, yeah. that's like almost like a wild animal attack or something like that. Like, right. She's, that's like, right. Jesus Christ. And he looks like, you know, pretty capable of
2: it. So that I mean there's yeah. that kind of, you know, the Mr. Dietrichson victim character. I forget the name of the guy they cast, but he's wonderful because he's so unappealing. I mean, he's just such a kind of nasty, irritable, petty little little guy. He's got that nasty laugh. He's just he's a creep. Tall so like Oh, Tom Powers, Tom Powers, that's right. Okay, I know I've seen him in other stuff, but this is like, you know, his, probably his great performance. And and so you just, you kind of hunt around for any relief. And again, there's even in smaller, like, characters that normally you'd read sympathetically. Like the guy, the first guy that who talks to Walter, who's in the, running the elevator in the, the insurance company, and he does that weird thing where he's like, how's the insurance business? They won't sell me any because there's something loose in my heart. And then yeah. he giggles, or they say, it, and he does that weird little laugh. <laughs> and, yeah. and so it's just got that wonderful, just gargoyles that you encounter all through, through the movie, which is another favorite part of film noir. Film noir is the best for just one-off scenes with people, characters you're never going to see again. They're hugely memorable, usually because they're absolutely bizarre. And so there'll be some, a set of bizarre characteristics shoved in your face in one scene, and then they disappear that's also a kind of daring way of doing a kind of sideways critique of this culture. It's just like, look how many warped, bizarro people um, right. there are who are also discontented, also hapless. It's an, there's an amazing number, and this is you know not very sensitive, but it's so unusual for the time. So many people have physical impairments in the law.
3: He just well, and there's a through line to that, over right? Over and over and over. Yeah, absolutely. L- like, look, like David Lynch. Look at, like, mm-hmm. you know, Quentin Tarantino. Like, lots absolutely. of modern directors, like, have taken that aspect of it, even mm-hmm. if they're not doing like a noir type thing. They do the thing right. of like just having these, you know, uh, <laughs> baby shoes for sale, never worn, kind of level short story, right? Like going right. on, We're like, what is what's what's that person's deal, right? Right. And off,
2: yeah, exactly. Often, of no no explanation. They just appear and somehow. You find out, and then they are disappeared. And, and yeah. you really don't see that. You don't see that much at all anymore. Um, yeah. In fact, we're, our, our our character actor game is very weak, I think, in most
3: Yeah. Well, because th- this mean, is Nicole a separate conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was going to say, like, there, there are some directors that do it, but I feel like character actors have now become... You know, your leading men and leading ladies and character actors are now the same thing, whereas before Mm. they used to be very different things, and Mm. that's that's a very different and very involved conversation that I don't Mm. want to take us off track for. But all right, I think
1: think also though there's a lot of character actors that end up employed Mm -hmm. in uh, TV, um, not so much Mm. in movies, right? Like I I think that there's a lot of. Yeah, yeah, so I think that there's probably there's hundreds of um, character actors that kind of have like an interesting face and stuff. Mm. I'm sure they end up on like, Walter Goggins. Like yeah, he was supposed yeah, to get yeah.
3: justified for like one one or two episodes, and they're and like, they're... This is yeah, this, this the first
1: episode. you okay.
3: know, he's, he's someone this who could story. you could put him in a <laughs> yeah.
2: film noir of the 40s oh. and 50s, and he would just fit right in. That skull. <laughs> face you wouldn't bat an eyelash. Guy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah
3: <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah. Well, both Jonathan Banks and um, and Bob Odenkirk were only supposed to be on uh, Breaking mm-hmm. Bad for like three or four episodes. Mm-hmm. And both of them both now, so I mean, now they have Better Call Saul. They have their whole entire own universe right? because yes. like it was just such a, a good mm-hmm. combination. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonathan Banks is another like is, is is someone I think who could completely be in any uh, era of film that you, mm-hmm. like, that you could pretty much oh, put him 100%. in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. He just has absolutely. that interesting kind of tough guy face.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember
1: what he was in. I I can't remember what he was in as a, like a younger person, and then I remember. Oh, he's been all kinds of dude.
3: Like that guy was in Gremlins. I mean, like he was like in all <laughs> kinds of stuff. You know, like he was in like he was always like, hey, we need an extra like cop or something, right? And mm-hmm. then like he would be like that that sort of. A... Yeah, he's been in a, a bunch of things though. He's um, mm-hmm. that, and, and like he was always a that guy to me. Oh, it's that guy.
1: I like that guy.
3: You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> like the the that guy sort of rolls is like what Jonathan Banks would be. Also, mm-hmm. no, his be clear, first appearance was he,
1: Airplane. Apparently, he, he was in wow. Airplane. Yeah, um,
3: wow, wow, wow. He was in <laughs> wow, Community. Wow. He was in the show Community, which people yeah he was, was from the later seasons. But it's huh? like it's like oh yeah, I forgot he was he was in this show. <laughs> and he was in and he was in
1: Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> mm-hmm. He wasn't when we watched Bonsai. that. I'm. I'm, i was trying to see there was a movie that i remember maybe it was buckaroo Banzai that i was uh thinking hmm. that he was in but i feel like there was something that i saw him in yeah, a long time ago. he's that younger, like, he's younger than that. than yeah.
2: yeah oh have you seen righteous gemstones with the with the performance by m m at walsh who's got to be 90 yes is the is this the, is the, father i know he, he's <laughs> old as hell he looks really 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 old but he's right yeah, in there he definitely like being, looks it. being
1: brilliant as always. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. Everybody. That yeah. is such an ensemble show. Everyone. Oh my God.
1: And it. another show that Walter Goggins. Absolutely. Uh, yes. Baby Billy. Baby Billy. Yeah.
3: That's right. That's right. That's absolutely. right. Absolutely. <laughs> <Ghibli. laughs> well, one if thing. Beverly Hills. He was in that too. Yeah, sorry. Hey, I'm, still th- I'm still on Jonathan Banks. My bad. No,
2: all right. Carry on. Carry on. We, we
3: should dig. We should dig
2: further into the, the Banks
1: file. This is a new. This is a new Jonathan Banks podcast. This is the. Uh... No, so there was definitely something that I wanted to bring up with this that I haven't touched on. I'm trying to remember. Mm-hmm. um What it was in this. Well, can I, I, it,
2: yeah. Can you think of it? If not, I have one.
1: Yeah. No. Go ahead. I.
2: Just the just the cinematography that's so Venetian blind it's it's insane. It's the most Venetian blindy movie and you, you can tell that it was influential because you know, the, the yeah turns up everywhere. Um, so it, it's it's John Seitz doing this and he, he go, his career goes back to like he was 11 and he was some sort of lab assistant on, on, on SNA films like when he was a kid and and he he managed to do amazing things. It's not the showiest. You know, kind of low-key lighting, uh, incredible trapping patterns, all that jazz. But it's still really bold, and there are really, really memorable shots. And there are some wonderful, like, location shooting things. And it's pretty early. I mean, they start doing a lot of that after the war, but it's 44, and they're already out there on railroad tracks and doing night-for-night shooting that's, like, pitch black, you know, when they're trying to, you know, throw them on the tracks and all that. That's a really striking scene. So he's doing a lot of bold stuff that's going to just become you know, standard practice. Um, You know, there's that wonderful, and I've never heard of this. Uh, I think this is a widely reported one, when he and Billy Wilder decide to throw some sort of particulate matter into the air inside of the Dietrichson home to make it look like there's dust hanging in the air in the slatted, you know, sun rays that are coming in. And you can really see it.
1: And and then, you know, Sunset Boulevard is another movie that Billy wilder uh-huh. seems to do something similar to that right uh-huh. Which, like i feel like i feel like this movie is kind of almost a prototype for that in a lot of ways like mm-hmm. um you know like her house in sons of boulevard is just so full of like cobwebs and dust and mm-hmm. so in this movie kind of it's almost it like a, that a,
4: sense of chiaroscuro that you keep wanting to talk about yeah mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah i mean and, like and I take think, it,
1: yeah a yeah. drink.
0: <laughs> oh, <it's fun. laughs>
1: oh no! <laughs> well, so so I think that also um, something kind of fascinating that I noticed uh, watching it this yeah. time because I have watched this movie a bunch of times, but mm-hmm. um, this time kind of uh, the amount of darkness. Um, obviously, he's sitting in the dark office talking <laughs> to the dictaphone, right. and, you, and it cuts between um, the narration uh with him talking into the dictaphone and explaining mm-hmm. his, his thing and using all these mm-hmm. corny lines and then obviously flipping towards you know a lot of it it's daylight but then once the murder happens it's nighttime mm-hmm. so like the, the difference in the lighting i think is really fascinating mm-hmm. and the fact that they choose from the very beginning um which makes sense but he's just dripping with sweat he's just like mm-hmm. a very wet boy he's a very wet boy talking <laughs> to this dictaphone and yeah. it's and and every time you kind of forget that you're watching the story and this is the inevitable result of it and that he probably doesn't get away with it. Right. Like, like he's clearly dying from the moment you see him. Yeah. And, Every time kind of the story lags a little bit or like, uh, you know, changes, um, it flips right to him once again, like sweating and. And And the blood spot getting
2: bigger on his coat. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's wet in many ways, that boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know, again, pretty well known, but it is interesting that Billy Wilder shot the, the gas chamber sequence.
1: Yeah, Where and Walter's then they they lost to, it, right? Or and they then he
2: just decided it lost it. it. Yeah, <laughs> no, he just said, "Oh, that's right." The footage we don't we have an image or two, I think, but we don't have the footage. I have, I have a,
1: a clip of him talking about it. Oh, great. Um, and he'll show it to you if you join the
3: oh. Patreon, Matt. Yeah,
1: no. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is this is Billy Wilder explaining it on the AFI. Yeah. Uh,
0: have you ever shot more than one ending for a film? Yes, I have. Uh, I have. Uh, I have shot an ending which I chopped off, like in *Double Indemnity*. I had, I had an ending uh, uh, where where uh, Mr. McMurray was uh, executed in the gas chamber, and there was a kind of a thing between him and uh, Eddie Robinson who was watching it. Then, as I was uh, proceeding with the picture, I found a scene uh, uh, where he tries to. After Robinson realizes that McMurray is the murderer and bleeding and uh, and to, wants to go to the elevator and kind of get into his car and go to Mexico or something. And uh, he collapses there, you know, and uh, can't even light the match anymore the way he always did. And uh, and uh, in the distance you heard already the siren of the police, the uh, car, the ambulance, so you knew what the outcome is going to be. And I ended it there because it was very anticlimactic. You know, he didn't need now. We knew that he was guilty. He confessed. We knew that how the two men felt about each other. It was, uh, it was, uh, uh, um, unimportant. usually I, I have just, uh, one ending, not necessarily the best, but uh, that's uh, all I should. But sometimes I, I, uh, I, uh, I shoot very little celluloid. I, I, I don't have, I don't have, uh, I don't have too, uh, too many, uh, 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 possibilities of fiddling around with it. I should have more said about it, but uh, it's, it's so hard to get, and I want to get out of there. I want to get away from them.
3: It's cool the audience for that looks like a Scorsese movie. I was gonna say, what was the
2: <laughs> long, long held shot on the porn star in the
3: fifth row or whatever? <laughs> what the hell
1: was that? <laughs> <I went> to- <laughs> no, hey. <way. laughs>
3: well,
1: they're trying to, you know, it's it's AFI, and you know, they're really trying to do some experimental stuff with how they shoot audiences and, and their you know their talks there.
4: <laughs> <laughs> they want to legitimize Ron Jeremy's acting career. <laughs> Apparently,
2: man. <laughs> Somebody had a crush. Oh, Jesus.
1: Um, no, but I, so I I think that's you know. Cause they have images uh, still of of that second ending and they have mm. the image. I mean, it's kind of a famous image of, of keys watching him as they turn on the gas mm. and there's multiple people in the gas chamber and mm. which by the way, I was always wondering um, like when they stopped doing the gas chamber as a means of execution. And I assumed it was um, because of the Holocaust. It was not, they stopped doing it in the seventies. They kept mm. executing people by gas chamber for like 30 years after, after uh, world war II ended.
3: Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, where are all the pro-lifers on that?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, they think that, they think they're remarkably deserve, silent. Like, <laughs> the yeah. the the pro-life thing that people I've I've, I've argued with people because I'm incredibly against capital punishment. Like I think mm-hmm. that that's pretty much yeah, same I here. It, it, Me too. Yeah, I think it demeans us as a society. I think that it really you can't have mm-hmm. a functional society where like. Also, murder, like, do
3: you think that you, you have that much trust in the justice system to think that they never got anything wrong? No. Hey, come on! Also, another great
2: point about film noir—it's it's almost always corrupt or badly handled, or right, showing exactly. you that it doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We know this from our own lives, you know. God and, God.
4: and also, waiting to die is torture in itself, yeah. which which is makes it cruel and unusual just that fact alone.
3: Yeah. But the fact that they managed to get away calling themselves pro life and not anti choice is astounding. And mm-hmm. I can harken back to the Bill Hicks bit where, if like you're really pro life, you'd pick at funer- you'd uh, block people from funerals. You know, Mm -hmm. because it's like it's it's a universal life ethos. If you're actually pro-life and you are not then it wouldn't be, hey, F you the second you're born, Mm -hmm. because that's what it is. And 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 it's blatant hypocrisy in the fact that the fact that uh, the the people that are for women's choice cannot seem to be able to reframe this issue in a very clear and cogent manner that like, uh, you know, a rock and roll musician can blows my mind. But whatever, that's a different show.
1: Yeah, no, people, uh, I mean, you know, liberals, I think for a long time, have kind of ceded framing to the, to conservatives, and that's kind of been their – problem on pretty much everything right like Mm -hmm. there's the the whole idea of like kind of a social safety net well they let kind of bush uh start titling it entitlements like you know what i mean like they've they've seeded framing on every single uh issue that they've ever fought on so i don't
3: i I I know you you and i not only do i know that you and i disagree in this for us we did so on air but like i'm sorry defund the police is a terrible frame you call it police reform if you actually want to get it done. If you want to shout something that sounds cool and make a show feel better, then defund the police. Sure. Well, what, what's the end goal of that? Guess what? They're giving more funding to the police because they've effectively turned into a wedge issue for the Democrats. Yeah. So you know, again, I mean,
4: Biden's the one doing it. So, you know,
3: but, but it's like, you could have catharsis or you can get results. And that, that's the problem is, is all we are left with is catharsis.
4: Yeah, we don't have, because a nobody has any power. Is the other problem is that like mm-hmm. we don't have somebody who's more like
1: actor. an after party uh, <laughs> yeah. conversation, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, sorry,
4: sorry.
1: No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, don't want to bring us down about talking about our murder,
3: murder movie, movie <laughs> you know, but like, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah,
2: yeah, that's that's a good point, though. Double, there's something cheery, there's something not depressing about double indemnity. I think, I think most noir is not depressing. Do you agree? I don't find I don't find like I dread watching it because it's really going to be a bring down. I find there's something bracing about it. But I wonder if that's just me. it's
3: like allegory. I mean, it's it's yeah. like it's like stories, right? Like it's not like, a you know, ideally, it's not a documentary, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like which it seems like yeah. which there's a whole thing with these murder, murder, murder shows mm-hmm. where somehow that's mainstream now. Mm -hmm. when it's like oh well why is that mainstream and not like you know these these movies that like are telling like a very Mm -hmm. compelling story and Mm -hmm. and have like a narrative arc to it Mm -hmm. like this is just like you know you've seen one you've seen all of them it's the same same business sorry not a fan but
2: well and true crime if you get into it is that's one of the most depressing forms there is you stick with true crime for long enough man it's it has a very very that's a good example of like it really has a, a, a cassi-pall over your mind after a while if you give up. I put in a few years, a long time ago. So I'm amazed at how it's flourishing. My God, it's everywhere. It's, um,
3: it's totally mainstream now. It's crazy. Yeah,
2: it's just every, everywhere. There's so many things. I, can, I yeah. keep having to review them. I can't keep up. But um, but film noir I like because it's it's got this quality of we're looking into the abyss and it's better looking into the abyss. It's, there's just a feeling of like, yep, this is bad but we're going to look right at it and that's somehow there's there's even a kind of excitement about it it might be a sick excitement but there's just th- th- this feeling of like yeah, you know, we're not going to pretend it's it's all okay or can be okay or will be okay
1: <laughs> instead has anyone, has anyone made a has anyone made a like a neo-noir where it's hmm. like a true crime podcaster or something that decides to try to do the perfect uh the perfect murder or something i feel like that could be an interesting like version of this where it's someone mm-hmm. who covers all these things as like a true crime reporter trying to do the perfect crime mm-hmm. i feel like that i just thought of that top of my head Ah,
3: you yeah, should yeah. hold on to that. Giving it away for that. free, saving it yeah, for the exactly. after party at least. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
3: I'm still waiting for someone to have podcasting as a like as a character function mm-hmm. or uh, some sort of narrative function in a movie, and not have it be completely cringe.
4: Mm-hmm. Other like, than like uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, I think Only they Murders in the that, Building. did Halloween. They did. It in the Halloween. Halloween. Oh, Only Murders in the Building did it as
3: a it Only Halloween. Murders in the Building did it. Halloween was cringe. That was yeah. that was. Yeah, cringe no, no it was incredibly I hated. It. I hated every mm-hmm. second of it. Mm-hmm. Like not the movie, but just that character and that arc of it. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think Only Murders in the Building, largely based on the cast. manages to make it work and because it's kind of like a a narrative hook in a unique way. Mm. Like, it's like, Oh, this is a bonding element for them. And then like, okay, so there's this other thing, but like, yeah, every time somebody puts in a movie, I'm like, Oh, and it's like, that's, I do that. That's the thing I do. (laughs) And I'm like, Oh
1: no yeah well because yeah no, they're not good at it it's always a, a mm. film writer that like doesn't have anything to do with I mean they really hate fucking podcasts they're like mm. oh my god I gotta yeah. get go on another podcast I'm gonna shit on yeah. this profession this <laughs> mm. should not exist um which you know sometimes I agree with I really I feel like there's a lot of cringe podcasters out there, but um, yeah. no, as long as so I get to choose the...
3: which ones don't exist, it's not a problem, anyway. <laughs>
2: and some um, things are hard to make cinematic. I can remember for the longest time when when laptop when everyone started being on their computer all the time. This is a long time ago yeah. that how bad movies were and TV shows were whenever they incorporated a lot of it, they just couldn't find a way to it's not yeah. very interesting to look at, it. and so you just have people in this, and it would always be like you could tell that they were typing nonsense. You know, if you yeah. they, and, they just had no idea,
1: the interfaces would change. So yeah. fast that, like you'd see someone and you'd be like, that's like the shittiest interface I've ever seen. You know, this update. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so I wanted to, the, that's the not how you too. hack
3: the mainframe, dude. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Beto O'Rourke, stop trying to hack. The mainframe. Um, so, uh, no. So, so there's kind of this thing at the end, um, mm-hmm. when it, it's kind of, So, uh, Neff and Mrs. Diedrickson, Phyllis, Phyllis. not a, not a great name, but, um, (laughs) you know, they kind of, they kind of have this weird back and forth, Uh um, you know, where they kind of show themselves to each other. Right. Like, uh, they reveal that both of them are like these, these like unhappy, cruel people that like using each other the entire time. They have that back and forth where, um, she's like, we're both rotten. And Neff says, only you're a little more rotten. You got me to take care of your husband for you. Then you got Sarketi to take care of Lola. Maybe take care of me, too. Then you get someone else to come along and take care of Zarketti. That's the way you operate, isn't it, baby? And, like, so that whole, you know, back and forth that they have, it seems like he's almost, like, trying to pawn off his guilt and his uh, obsession and his uh, cruelty on her. Mm -hmm. And she's kind of, you know, at least being honest, being like, listen, we're both fucking terrible. We are both terrible people. This is not a love story that's going to work. We are both just the worst. Mm -hmm. We're the worst to everybody we know. Like, (laughs) there's no around us
3: hurts or dies yeah i mean yeah, yeah. Like, and they both
2: yeah, showed up yeah. to kill each other so there's this kind yeah. of hurt yeah. <laughs> exactly
3: yeah. gonna pass yeah. a moral judgment yeah, exactly. <laughs> they
1: should, yeah they should both uh have like whipped them out simultaneously be like
3: ah yeah that's well, a what,
1: great
3: what, scene what does she scene say too? yeah she shoots him. was like oh i you know i knew, I knew I loved and she says she, said said she, she, she loved fire it fire again if i couldn't fire the second shot i'm like that's when you knew
2: yeah, that's when you knew.
3: Yeah. And you're kind like, of. I didn't kill this. him. Yeah. Like how to
2: even take that, because that's either the only sign of Phyllis's humanity or is it some sort <laughs> of other maneuver? he's or... very hard. That's the toughest moment to take in what is otherwise, yeah. I think, a perfect movie. That's yeah. the only like one that you're like.
1: Oh. Well, it kind of also harkens back to, like, to uh, like Maltese Falcon and that moment at the end yeah. where, um you know, Humphrey Bogart actually has to like throw her over and he's like, you're going over. And mm-hmm. he has to reveal himself to her. Yes. She's been the same kind of the whole movie. She's been yeah. whatever, but, you know. Lying, then,
2: always a different name. <laughs> yeah, so, this, he's like, if
1: you, so he's like, if you don't hang, you know, yeah. you'll get out in like 25 years. and then I'll we be can waiting. Just, yeah. <laughs> but, but that kind of reminds me of this, except for it's both the characters doing the, uh, you know, the Humphrey yeah. Bogart. And don't bomb. you find
2: that the Mary Astor Humphrey Bogart one, it's easier to believe that they really have, there's more of a love story there, I think. Anyway, yeah. To me. Well, what, it what this is, seems like, is like
1: it seems like uh, Neff is almost like hyper competitive, like yeah, <laughs> throughout this whole movie. Like he has to be smarter than Keys. So yeah. It makes sense because Keys has been shitting on him the entire movie. Like you know, calling him <laughs> all these like demeaning names for salesmen and stuff. Mm-hmm. But you know, like but then also at the end with her, it seems like he has to be. You know, I'm a little bit better than her. I have to be mm-hmm. a little bit like I I'm. I'm be a, you know, I'm yeah. like he's convincing himself mentally that like you know that uh the entire time you know he's been a patsy. He's been set up. She was using him, and it's like. He was on board. Wave, like She didn't even ask him to murder anyone. He's just like, you want me to murder someone, don't you? Well, I'm in. Like- <laughs>
2: We're going to do it, baby. But of course, what he would say is she manipulated him into it. I love that there's a wonderful close-up of his face, which has never looked softer or slacker. When she, they meet for the final time in Jerry's Market, which is a fabulous location. And this really was in LA. She has her
1: funny sunglasses on too. Yeah, she's got
3: these crazy sunglasses on. And and she's and basically they doing wartime rationing. And so they they actually posted security guards to make sure that the not just the, the oh, actual like staff didn't steal. Oh wow. Damn.
2: <laughs> Hardcore. And now you know. Anyway. Wow, I did not know <laughs> that. That's some good trivia. Um, but anyway, she he's trying to st- stop it. he knows keys is on to them. It's only a matter of time and she She's like nobody's no no, and she starts using without ever having heard it the kind of keys, what take his his motif of there's a you're on once you committed a murder together you're on a trolley car you have trolley car you have to ride it all the way to the end of the line, um and then the last stop of the cemetery she says it's it's right down the line we're not nobody's pulling out. And he and he's like and she takes off the sunglasses very slowly to show to show him her like rattlesnake eyes like, look, look look at me, look at who I am. And his face is just like it's it goes right up on the edge of comic. He's so shocked. (laughs) And there's this huge like choker close up of his face, like registering like who he's been playing with the whole time, which is that's so noir. So then she's like like now he finally gets what Chris was obvious all along. She's this incredible she he thinks he's smart. She's been running the show from the whole time. That that's very much the noir thing. So he, he I think in the end he's taking on the tone that you're going to get in most film noir, which is always, "Oh, you're the woman was better than me at being a complete, you know, a complete liar, manipulator, killer, whatever. And that's an outrage. <laughs>
1: so, yeah, but then he, and then, then he, and then he's like, cool. She was that, cooler being cool. She, yeah. was cooler.
2: She, was cooler. <laughs> she was cooler. She was cooler. She was better. She did it better. Yeah. Yeah. But then yeah, he, he
1: right. tries to pawn off his guilt onto her. Yes. Like, as well. She's so really bad. Like, you it's see the end like, of yeah. out of the past
2: it's the same they have the same kind of discussion in out of the past that's the robert mitchum jane greer also a great noir yeah
1: we, we, i think we brought that up the other night right yeah, uh, you know, you it, yeah.
3: very yeah. Similar. I, I think it made the first round of, of our, our brutal brackets yeah. to big movies for this that's month. a
2: good one because you know she says they have the same open conversation she even says i'm glad you know everything because now we can finally talk like (laughs) and like why we really go together and of course he's all the time plotting to make to make sure she doesn't get away with it um but she's kind of right you listen to it and you're like you know she's kind of right and it's a version of yeah i'm rotten you're rotten maybe i'm a little more rotten but we're both rotten You know, let's get together on this and there's always the sense of the man is like i draw the line there missy um yeah so there's that's happening again here for sure Yeah. yeah 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 and it's also she sets the scene so there is like she knows he's coming she knows he's coming with a gun she, she, she has puts a gun. her gun on yeah, the seat she has gun to on be ready the i mean she's just so far ahead she's always so far ahead of him
1: yeah
4: turning off all um, the lights the
1: other, yeah
2: all the lights off exactly
1: so the other the other thing i wanted to talk about um is you know i mean the dialogue in this is so good yeah but yeah. there's the uh like, I, I love the first scene. Obviously, I mean, it's the one that everybody talks about, but mm-hmm. when he's saying, um, there's a speed limit in this state, yeah. Neff, 45 miles an hour, and he goes, How fast was I going, officer? Says, I'd say about 90. He's like, I, Uh, suppose you get off your motorcycle, give me a ticket, and she's like, Suppose I let you off with a warning. Mm-hmm. She's like, Suppose it doesn't take. And- <laughs> Yeah, and then he's like I uh on, ping pong But then the most awkward, I, yeah. I remember so I took uh intro to acting, and this is mm-hmm. before I ever saw uh double indemnity. Mm-hmm. Um one of the scenes they had us do for this intro to acting class was that back and forth, and like mm-hmm. you had a partner and you had to do Whoa. that with that partner. How well and, did that go? I mean, I don't I don't I probably blanked it out of my mind. I, I did not like <laughs> he's, he's hosting anything, this show. Mind. How well do you think it went? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I'm just wondering if people were really uncomfortable. I would be very uncomfortable. It's I think very people, stylized. People,
1: people did it uh in different ways like you know uh, what i mean like i think they would do different tones to it which is kind of fascinating mm-hmm, yeah. um kind mm-hmm. of show off for your classmates as mm-hmm. you know as first year the, the tv show
3: barry mm-hmm. does a really good job of showing those types of interactions and mm-hmm. what they actually are like mm-hmm. it does a lot of things really well but mm-hmm. like that's one thing that blew my mind of like wow that actually mm-hmm. kind of is when people like are like learning how to act but kind of not quite yes. there yet yeah, I guess I, I, saw I saw the first couple Great episodes. I,
1: I didn't end up watching past there because at the time I didn't have HBO, but now I do, and so I should watch it. You well, gotta
3: catch up on that one. It's very, it's, it's quite so- good. But it's introduced but he, one of the greater character actors of the last few years too. But mm-hmm. that's a separate after-party. Remind me, or don't. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: no, but what I sure. like about that dialogue yeah. is it's very screwball comedy, which was which was popular. You know, there was a big overlap between the two. Screwball comedy also features the woman often who's taking charge, and you know, running the tables on the guy. But it's all in a comedic mode. And but it, and she's usually showing him how to live. He's more traditional, like you see bringing up baby, and she's wilder and crazier and more. More of a, a true modern um, but it has it looks very much like that ping-ponging kind of dialogue that they have that's super rapid and wilder just lets it be pretty much a, f- a funny exchange that's what it is um, which is kind of nice that's a nice thing about film noir that often isn't credited how often it's funny not everyone, yeah. like but so yes. hilarious my, lines through out of the past, really funny. My, uh, right
1: my, my thing that I was gonna say with this is, mm-hmm. it's like you know, it is screwball comedy. It's that back and forth, right? Like. Mm-hmm like where she's kind of playing coy and he's like, you know, and he's mm-hmm. doing the thing. And then it gets very awkward when he's like, how about I bust out crying and put my head on your shoulders? It's the, it's the line that gets insanely awkward. It was like, all right, like he's pushed too far into that back and forth. One joke like, over the line. yeah, <laughs> And then yeah. she's like, you know, and then, but she has, she's like, uh, you know, suppose you put it on my husband's shoulder and then uh-huh. he gets fucking pissed. He goes, all right, that'll take or something. It walks, yeah. <laughs> walks. out. Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. I just, I always found it kind of like a, it's an incredibly <laughs> dynamic um, exchange mm-hmm. in that moment mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it shows you a lot about these characters right like she's at first flirting back with him and then mm-hmm. draws that like hard line to see you know try, kind of push him back and then he's mm. his response to it is just like kind of storm off and I, I don't know I just always kind of I think you, that shows you a lot about those two characters in that right moment.
2: and there's also the extra layer of her no her set she's staging all of these scenes and playing a part the whole time You know, so so that helps you because she's Stanwick is very, very good at doing just a slightly overly exaggerated, just a nice woman concern for her husband. You can sort of see where she moves into certain types of acting. But at a certain point, you're thinking, no, she she was acting the whole time when he shows up and he's like, hubba hubba. So the maid's the maid's day off. (laughs) You know, she sets all that up. She she's she's enabling all of that crazy shit to go on. So that's, yeah. that's part of the greatness of the performance is her knowing everything.
1: And and from the very beginning, you know, you see her in the, it's such a, it's kind of a stupid line, but when you first see her um, <laughs> and he says, Oh, is everything covered? And she's like, Oh, I'm sure I know what you mean or something. It's yeah. like, yeah, because you're in a you're you're in a towel. You're in
2: a towel. And we yeah, don't know yeah. if there's anything on un- <laughs> the implication is she might have been nude sunbathing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you notice she's standing in front of the railing that has like curly cues where, like, shall we say the female <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and a chart would be the female <laughs> reproductive yeah, I noticed. system. So yeah, they're very, you know, Wilder was very good at, you know, getting past sensors things that, you know, they just wouldn't notice. So that was a big game for him.
1: And at some point, he just, you know, dresses Jack Lemon up uh, in drag. And, <laughs> know, so just, let's let's, see, if, let's see if we can get away <laughs> with this one. <laughs> let's
2: put Marilyn Monroe in a dress that's essentially sheer. <laughs> and we'll just keep teasing where the spotlight is and how much we're going to show. You know, he
3: got away with murder. He really did. Awful. You know, very, very good movie. I think I like The Apartment better, though. Okay, that one's I wonderful. I was going to say,
1: you know, you know who class. didn't get away with murder? Wow. Walter. <laughs> Walter no. No. Yeah.
3: <laughs> By the way, no. how great is that line that I couldn't hear my own footsteps? It was the.
2: Walk- oh, oh, I love that. that. That's one of my favorite lines. I love that. it. Was the. Water
3: that is that
4: is that thing. is like
3: classic noir line, right?
4: Yeah, it is. Yeah, you it's could just perfect. see Frank Miller in the movie theater, just like writing right. that. Down. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yes, and I always have
2: wanted to write something about that, about that kind of again the the evocation of the occult, the ghostly. The, there's a, there's a whole thing that runs through noir that's so great. One of the reasons I love the Coen Brothers, The Man Who Wasn't There, is is they they bring it to the fore. If you've ever seen that movie, it did terribly, mm-hmm. bombed. But um, there's a whole space alien <laughs> angle that he brings in. There's yeah, that this, was amazing. Yeah. Otherworldly stuff that they bring in, which in fact is if he goes to visit a psychic, a phony psychic. There's all and they said, well, we well, you gotta have a phony psychic. All those novels we loved always had a phony psychic. It's one of the pulp noir you know, characters that are typical. So it really is. It's threaded through the whole form in a way that, that when they do neo-noir, they almost never pick up on it. Almost never shows up in, in, in newer attempts to do noir. But anyway, yeah. that killed
1: the conversation. Um, no. uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Cody, you want to do letterbox one-liners? I was going to let Andy oh. take a swing
4: because, because he, he, he's been kind of
1: edge no, down i, I, I
4: was actually it. looking up something that i was going to reference but but uh, I, I haven't found it yet so uh wait okay. is that it oh i don't know yeah that's the name of it um uh yeah no no it was uh i, I was just going to re- uh, mention that that uh uh, one of my favorite comic book creators, uh, Ed Brubaker, mm-hmm. you know, you could see oh, a yeah. lot of um, this in, uh definitely Criminal, but uh, I, I think more so in Fatal. Uh, I don't know if uh, Conan, you've read that one. I haven't read that one, but I like Brubaker's okay.
3: stuff. It's good. Yeah,
4: yeah Br- Brubaker's great. If, if you like more, check out Ed Brubaker. Uh, he does a lot of work with Sean Phillips, and mm-hmm. Sean Phillips always draws these beautiful Dutch angles, uh, mm-hmm. lots of heavy shadows. His, his artwork's gorgeous, and I've mm-hmm. been a fan, you know, I mean, since he was doing Hellblazer back in the 90s, Yep. I mean, I was was young.
3: (laughs) Letterboxd is a social media site for film, a place where film lovers get to talk at, with, and to each other Mm -hmm. about the movies they love, the movies they didn't love, the movies they were baffled by, the movies they were weirdly thirsty for, and... All of these reviews are best expressed uh, in the, the one-liner format. No Eberts, no Siskels. Everybody gets to have their say. Open source democracy, bottom up. Let's go. This is the bit, the letterbox one-liners for Double Indemnity. Forrest? <laughs> cautionary tale for simps everywhere.
1: <laughs> <laughs> big big simping in this. Uh, this big, big simping
3: <laughs> simpin ain't easy
1: yeah <laughs> billy wilder's dialogue
3: makes aaron sorkin and david mamet look like kindergartners
4: <laughs> i would agree with that because like like mm-hmm. i, I it was just i was thinking about that the entire time of how much like um you know this is what people who who uh have not seen billy wilder's phrase sorkin for and it's yeah. just like you know I, i'm pretty sure like you know you talk to them they probably never seen a billy wilder film
1: yeah yeah Hmm
3: every film noir this femme fatale has seduced and murdered 17 people (laughs) me and i hope she seduces and murders me next (laughs) your guys are also good at this (laughs) this is what happens when you let someone talk with you
1: about your car's extended warranty (laughs) Well, actually that's really funny because I, I got a call today after doing these the and i don't even have i don't even own a car so i don't know
4: right, right. That's <laughs> right. Man, you're lucky because i only got life alert calling me today mm. the best insurance movie in the world oh.
3: <laughs> I, I, I can't disagree yeah. with that I, I would one say one <laughs>
1: of the great insurance movies of all time really maybe maybe the best up there
4: <laughs> I, I would say the the only uh other noir that that uh, covers insurance would have to be um uh the two jakes because uh there's this one character named Liberty and at one point they go Liberty Liberty and I just thought <laughs> my brain just filled in mutual. So <laughs> 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 So yes, movie next brought to you by Liberty Mutual. No, <laughs> apparently.
3: I would have just kept to the life of drinking beers at a drive-in, and <laughs> a drive-in, <laughs> and a drive-in the day. <laughs> Dude had a life.
1: <laughs> he's a little he's a little fiendy about it like you know he's like oh I'll have some rum or something beer. and then he I'm going to
2: do go to the drive yeah, <laughs> in that was the
3: car, life man like, he's have a single <laughs> bottle of
1: beer on his window and like
3: just lamping just lamping you know
1: wow well, he also he also I says I had I to know. I had to wash out the taste of her uh you know Sour her iced, iced tea. tea yeah <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs>
1: This would never happen to
3: me. <laughs> uh, that's a simp in waiting. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cautionary tale about women who wear anklets. No, true though.
1: You know you don't you don't trust the women that wear anklets.
3: If I got involved with a dame named Phyllis, I too would address her exclusively <laughs> as baby. <laughs>
1: Those Nobody likes that
2: name. Clearly, that's a name that has been ash canned by everyone. Wow. That's
1: a, well, it just reminds me of like a, a, like a mother or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, like no, grandma, it's like Maud like, oh, and, and all those Phyllis, other Phyllis, things. Phyllis, get in here. <laughs> I think it's Phyllis
3: Schlafly, which is not what I think
2: of when oh. I think of owners. Oh, yeah. That's not good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's, uh, it's a big Phyllis Schlafly week, though, technically, I guess.
3: Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. We're not in Medford. We're in a hurry. I want to be Edward G. Robinson when I grow up. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> Aww. Underrated exchange, by the way. Like, like <laughs> when he's talking to Medford, bro. Like, yeah. and, 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 Well, in Medford, you know, it's great. That's awesome. <laughs> anyway, those are the letterbox one-liners no, for no. Double Indemnity. Please. <laughs> Follow the show, Moving Extravaganza" on Letterboxd. That's Forrest Miller over there, your host. I, of course, am Kona Neutron. I'm all over Letterboxd. You can find me on there as well. Jay Andrew World is uh, on Letterboxd as well. Please follow him as well as all of our featured guests and uh, co-hosts, etc., etc. Eileen, we'll talk you on there eventually at some point. Okay. I'll, but, be, uh, I'll yeah, suck I, at it. I, I, I'm I, filled I with it, admiration. It's really look, great. You're seeing this bit is like the cream of the crop let me assure you it is not oh. all that good oh, right. she writes, writes like real
1: she writes real film reviews though i feel uh, like letterboxd yeah. is for all of us that like wish we were writing like act, like you know professional <laughs> film reviews getting paid for it we're like you know what we're just gonna <laughs> type it out on this phone and, and make everybody
2: yeah but the
3: snappy one-liner is such a skill you know that's like an it, admirable it is. skill really and that's is. one of the things i like the most about that bit, is you kind of get like the best of the best mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Although it, it is in fact, as we've pointed out multiple times mm-hmm. over, I would re- not really appear in this bit too mm-hmm. often because I tend to go long form. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, I, when Wilder I saw Drive My Car, Billy Wilder would kill it oh, hold on, on. on Letterbox. Billy oh, he would Slay, he would. yeah, he
2: would, he would,
3: yeah. I mean, I think my review of Drive My Car was truth and advertising. She did indeed drive his car, which I thought <laughs> was pretty good. <laughs> that is
4: good. By the way, did she ever get to the end of that movie? I'm still watching it. Okay. Jay <laughs> world, right take it
1: away with the... Oh. I was gonna say right, with If down, you I are
4: watching us right now on Twitch, um, <laughs> please subscribe if you can. If you happen to have an Amazon uh, Prime membership, you can subscribe for free and that helps us out greatly. Um, uh, if you're watching us over on YouTube, do the YouTube things, hit the like button, um, subscribe, uh, put a comment, ring that bell. And, you know, one real th- uh, crazy thing that actually does help us out a lot, watch the video to the end to help other film fans, uh, you know, find our work. Um, the also, hardest ask of all. Yeah, that is a hard <laughs> But you got a great Conan Neutron song at the end, you know, you killing did. it on that. You form. could also,
1: though, you could press the yellow thing on, on your browser or whatever and put it down there and just leave it going. You know what I mean? You don't have mm-hmm. to engage yeah. it. I mean, you should, but I'm continue, just saying, like,
3: continue doom scrolling. You know, it's fine. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Um,
4: we also have a Patreon. Uh, we plan on expanding Patreon, especially since I'm moving. And we'll have uh, space to podcast more often so that'll be uh, a a lot more um, I can actually create some bonus content for (laughs) y'all But, I feel like uh, we
3: podcast plenty personally, but I don't no, know. No, I, I think you're right. But
4: the <laughs> thing is though, is right now I'm taking up the living room and my poor family, who you can occasionally see in the background. Yeah, we get it. We get it. Not yeah. speak uh for like uh the time that we're on. Mm-hmm.
1: So you, know, um, you don't want to do my podcast idea, which is you know, best anklets of uh, of, of, of <laughs> cinema it. history. In the new
4: house. In the new house, it, it's his it's, over it's, over it's
3: third, third, third most popular after the Jonathan Banks podcast
2: we mentioned earlier. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Billy Wilder had an anklet thing. It also comes in. To his
1: movie Love in the Afternoon so this
4: So that's bankless. like his feet
1: <laughs> Um I had I had an idea for a podcast earlier i was listening to uh revolutions the podcast goes like, through like revolutionary history and they're talking about the bourbon monarchy and i was like all right bourbon monarchy that's my podcast where i'm going to drink whiskey and like report on live breaking news about the royal family in britain bourbon <laughs> monarchy that's why my... you know, <laughs> well that is that
3: niche. Probably, that, would that would probably, probably work do well yeah, yeah. yeah. Like,
1: people love stupid. stupid shit
3: man yeah people love stupider the better man <laughs> better yet just go through the
4: history of a while you're drunk
1: (laughs) like drunk history but it's the royal family it's the royal family yeah
3: yeah I, i that is the thing that look there's a lot of things in life i'm like i'm glad people get something out of it i don't get anything out of it that's one thing i'm like that's the thing that's the thing you're into huh you royal know what uh, we had a war to like not have to give a shit about that you exactly that? this is what i say.
2: I have i literally have relatives i won't name how close that that they subscribe to royal magazine and they follow uh, it all and i'm just like it's exactly what i say like,
4: is that like can't cat fancy for royalist <laughs>
2: Essentially, yes the most
1: well obscene. the thing the thing i think that's that's kind of funny though about you know okay. our version of that right like this side of the old pond as they say um <laughs> like uh we don't have to pay for it. You know what I mean? Like like mm. literally British people are paying taxes to yeah. kind of subsidize yeah. like the, the world's most expensive welfare family, you know, yeah. their, <laughs> yeah. just, just so power. they can
3: go big simping on the, the Royals. Oh, exactly. yeah. yeah. And but, but so crazy. we can,
1: I mean, I don't, I have no interest in it personally. I, mm. I would like to see that family toppled, but you know, mm. I could see that you're sitting here you're like well i'm not paying for this it's kind of like free entertainment that you know mm-hmm. british people are paying for <laughs> right,
3: right i <laughs> kind of hacked
1: their netflix account
3: <laughs> oh it's like the bbc
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's
4: like how we get doctor who they pay the taxes we get yeah. doctor yeah
2: yeah exactly that works out it's a decent noir
3: Matt Gilbert, mm-hmm. you clearly did not see the last time Eileen was on the, the <laughs> rally.
2: Yeeks. Yeeks. Yeah, no, I've read a lot of very respectful comments in the in the after months, so I just guess people liked it. You know,
3: oh well, what can I? It was fine. A lot of people like can... the
2: Northmen. You know, people liked Jet. What can I do? So, I was gonna watch so it
1: before. The, I, That's awesome. I was gonna watch it before the Oscars because I was on a, a uh, podcast talking about movies, and there, and yeah. I watched a bunch of them. Like the bunch of the movies that were nominated because I didn't really watch any of them until mm. that. And then it was like two and a half hours. And I was like, I can't, I'm not, I'm not gonna put that time in just yeah. to do like a podcast episode for an hour of people. Like yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I watched uh I watched it's, it's Pizza, pro, which I like so
4: it's good. Then, it's it's just you know, not as good as like the original. Um Ooh, that's perfect.
1: I just assume there's a fishman involved, in. <laughs> someone... <laughs> every movie
4: oh, wow. he does is a fishman, just you know, <laughs> so most it. of them. <laughs> That's right. Some of them have vampires, and some of them have <laughs> guys with eyeballs in their floor.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, Pan's Labyrinth is so good. Yeah. But, Pan's um, Labyrinth is much better, I think. Yeah. Yes, but he's it, like,
2: always, it's always very handsome. You know, it's very handsomely shot and handsomely, yeah, person, right? and all that jazz. So if you like that sort of thing, yeah, there's something for you yeah. for no, two and no, a I mean, hours. Del
4: Toro, Del Toro always has quality to his films. Mm. So, you know, yeah. it's just how good it actually is is another mm. story.
1: Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> I, I I was I was it's gonna sound mood at this point, but I, but I was like yeah the 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 fish people was gonna be like the Dick Miller to Joe Dante of Gil or Gilmore I can't say the guy's name. Doing a great job, everybody. Hey Dick Miller. <laughs> that's the that's the joke. That's the joke. <laughs> but I always like like seeing like, you know, uh, you know, killbots. Hey, there's Dick Miller. Okay, so it's Joe Dante's associated, now huh? All right. You know, it's like Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell. It's like they're <laughs> always it's like intertwined. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> yeah, it's a me. To Topical. Topical.
3: Topical. So yeah, you brought it all back. You brought it all brought back it all around. Back. Christina, <laughs> I'm sure we'll have lots to say about it.
1: Yeah. I don't know. She, I don't, I don't, she, she was joking earlier and she's like, Oh, I'm tired. Never mind," Or something. And then hasn't responded to my message. I, I assume she's coming on, but, um, I, I can tell yeah. you what she's done is posted a lot of memes about that film. Anyway, um, <laughs> which I'm
3: yeah. like, yo, this came out this morning. Come on. Back it off. But
1: I mean, yeah, Final thoughts final on, on, on this. Are you going to join us for the after-party thing for a little bit? I don't bit? think I can.
2: I'm wiped, Q, guys. You got All more right. energy. You're um, young and energetic, and I'm fading fast. <laughs> Sorry.
3: Final it's thoughts. Forrest oh, <laughs> is young, and I'm energetic. Buddy. Oh, is that how it works out? Well, <laughs> you know, you no got to the load. Andy's too busy illustrating Cat Fancy for royalists. <laughs> I will okay.
2: That one of the, the pleasures of watching film noir is everybody smokes and drinks all the time. So with a great deal of style. So there's there's a style element we never got to, but it really um, can pay off in shooting style, in the way actors look. There's a lot of clothing styling going on, but it's the smoking and drinking with great panache that, that can really be. Um, a, a a delight that you just can't get now because you know, people there's a lot of right guy, thing. there's a lot oh, of guy lagging
1: other guys, uh, in this movie specifically. I mean, constantly, liking, like,
2: <laughs> there's a lot of guy eating guy with cigarettes go action yeah. going
1: on here he, yeah, he yeah, can't, yeah. he just can't carry like uh, matches yeah. with him. We he just these two tents and they mm. explode in this pocket. That's such a weird line. I don't like. I've never heard anyone say anything like that. You know what I mean? Like, be like, "Well, they always explode in my pockets." Like, no. what do you like? What are you wearing? Like, what are
4: you, what are you, I maybe they're doing matches wrong. for innuendo. They
1: <laughs> must be like, maybe oh, like yeah. they're rubbing together or something, and then they light yeah, something yeah, in his pocket. Yeah. Like, ah. yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're rubbing together. Let me tell they're you, rubbing together. All right. Yes. Mm. Somehow managed to make it dirty. Great.
2: Yeah, <laughs> you really did. Thank you there for that. Yeah. I did my best. <laughs> and I wish I had more thoughts, but I'm out of thoughts. I, that was my last thought. Sorry. That was,
3: well, it was a good one. Thanks for sharing it with us. Mm.
1: Uh, yeah. Conan, got some... Uh, oh, yeah. Some, some...
2: A
3: final... a great great noir
1: movie i love that it's kicking Mm. it
3: off and that we're doing everything uh sequentially as we kind of go through the various tropes just like you do Mm. with murder night extravaganza Mm. you know starting off with psycho and and whatnot or Mm. uh uh, i like that this is kind of like dunning kruger effect for well if i did it dot 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 sort of insurance fraud Mm -hmm. uh and i think that that's kind of an underrated part of it that people rightly kind of Maybe blast past because of all the other aspects of it, basically mm-hmm. being like people being terrible and like other noirish mm-hmm. tropes, but done very as as Eileen said, very stylishly, mm-hmm. right? Like and and uh, I think that there's a lot to love here, even if you're not a fan of the genre of noir, because I think it's just a very well done mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm, uh, score's absolutely. great, mm-hmm. the composition, cinematography is fantastic. Uh, so many quotable lines, mm-hmm. like it's. And it moves right along, you know, and when it does like the rat-a-tat. It's moving right along. (laughs) (laughs) Probably better music in the Muppet movie, but uh, (laughs) it's a (laughs) watch. But but I think this is probably an easier entry into the genre than say the Maltese Falcon or something, which takes mm, oh I more, agree. more seriously. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I think it you know you could do a lot worse. Like if I I didn't see Double Indemnity until I was always already pretty familiar uh, with the genre, and I was mm-hmm. like oh this is like I should have started with this one. This has mm-hmm. gonna got a little bit of everything. I love it. Yeah yeah. yeah. So great movie. Great. Uh, I was not stoked. I was not bummed out at all that we were starting with this. I was pretty stoked about it. Mm-hmm. Honestly. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, looking forward to kind of dissecting, dissecting. God, that's yeah, we're gonna vivisect the genre. No, we're gonna, we're gonna uh, discuss all of it as it kind of advances uh, through the years. And I think it's gonna mm-hmm. be real cool to like reference back to this as as an earlier one because there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff here that you see later on, and or you see people moving away from or mm-hmm. referencing. Uh, and uh, yeah, good film ultimately.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's mm-hmm. a great film. Yeah. Um, Andy.
4: I got to say, like, this is one of those movies that I'm not quite sure if I've seen before or not, Mm -hmm. uh, because it's like so ingrained in our in our memory. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I I mentioned this many times before, but I know Eileen hasn't heard it. So I'm going to say this. Um, I grew up in Georgia and we would get uh, Channel 17 Superstation from uh, Turner, um, Mm -hmm. like for free on our our broadcast television. Mm -hmm. So so I uh, there was a lot of old movies constantly on as a little kid. Mm-hmm. And I've watched a lot of stuff that I don't even know what it was. Right, right. Um, uh, so, so whether or not I've seen this movie or it's just like so ingrained into the culture, mm-hmm. I don't know. But this is the first time I've seen it as an adult. So mm-hmm. um, I'll, I'll leave it at there. And this was a great watch because it really is everything you want in a noir film. Um, mm-hmm. And it's way better than the sequels, you know, Too Fast, Too Indemnity and uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> double, uh, Triple Indemma 3. <laughs> triple <laughs> <laughs> It's free for the evening. <laughs>
3: yes. and he's been sitting on that for two days <laughs> And yeah. well worth it well worth it uh, uh,
4: um, but yeah so so no it's yeah i i thoroughly did enjoy this because it is just um it is beautiful and i love those shadows like mm. anytime um yeah. i i also like uh, the version i watched was a nice cleaned up for like a remastered mm.
1: one mm. um yeah. and
4: then like the trailer for a showed uh I, th- I think was it the or something I was watching was like an older, muddier, uh, you know, print of the film. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it's nice to actually see the, the yeah. crisper, uh you know, cleaned up version uh, because you. it really, it really is a beautiful film.
3: Mm-hmm. You can really see the inklet in the cleaned up version. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
1: yeah. No, an and I, input, I had a version
2: way. of your experience. I, I had the New York version of watching movies the same way chopped up all to hell running on TV. You didn't know what you were watching. I think that's a great education. That's the mm-hmm. same education the Cohen Brothers got, and they said that's how why they have no snob factor and yep. why they they would they loved equally like bad Tony Curtis movies and art movies yeah. and cartoons and everything just ran in a slurry with a million commercials and it, it was a kind of surreal education of its own. Really, is that
4: Melvira and Kung Fu yeah. Theater like all mixed together. So mm, you yeah, know, yeah. I, I got a weird uh, film education as a small child.
1: Yeah, I think it's I'm I approve of it. It's a good one. All right. Well, my final thoughts are what did you think I was? Anyway, some guy that walks into a good looking dame's apartment and says, I sell excellent (laughs) parents on husbands, you got one that's been around too long?